Good morning, everybody, and thank you for joining us today as we meet in an interesting way, but we nonetheless meet as the church. I want to thank you for your flexibility during these trying times. Um, we hope that with the year 2021, things would be a little bit easier, but we still deal with life and the challenges that come with it. But I believe that together we can persevere and succeed in what God wants us to do. So if we have to make some adjustments here and there, we will. And for this Sunday, we have. Um, but we should go back to normal next Sunday. And the message that we're talking today about, it's going to continue of what we spoke about last Sunday, about Jesus being the Son of God. The title is, Is Jesus Really the Son of God? In the beginning of the Bible, God created humans. Humans were supposed to be God's representatives here on earth. But instead, they fell into the hands of a serpent. What we see today in the world with all its chaos and unpredictability and evil is a result of humans falling under the rule of the serpent. Thousands of years after the first humans failed, there was a human, Jesus, who was supposed to be God's perfect representative. He was, as we read last time, the Son of God. And now he faces the enemy. But this time the enemy does not appear as a serpent, but as the devil. If you have your Bible, uh, please go with me to Luke 4, 1-13. Try to make this as personal as possible. And one way to do that is to actually take out uh, a Bible that could be very helpful. So, if you have your Bibles, go with me to Luke 4, 1-13. And this is a very popular passage, and it is a very exciting, dramatic passage. Even a better reason to meet in person, but God has a plan. So, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in, in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem 
and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He, being God, will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Right there where you're at, please join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your peace. And even though we are meeting virtually today on this Sunday, we know that your presence surrounds us. Even though this country is in turmoil, your presence surrounds us. Even though our lives at work may be chaotic, your presence surrounds us. And I pray that as we open up your word, your Holy Spirit may come into our hearts and speak to us what you want us to hear. Just because things are a little bit different doesn't mean that you won't speak to us today. I believe that you will, and I, will, I believe that lives will be changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We started our reading today by seeing that Jesus was full of the Spirit. Recall what happened last week. The Spirit had anointed Jesus. Jesus was empowered to do the mission that God had given him. And part of the plan was that Jesus would go to the wilderness where he would be tested for 40 days by the devil. In the scriptures that we read, we saw that there was this emphasis on the Spirit. The Holy Spirit appears twice. The double reference of the Spirit in the text emphasizes that this was God's will. Jesus was not acting on his own. Instead, he acted as God's agent, as God's representative. The events that followed were ordained by the Spirit. God wanted Jesus to face what he was going to face. This was all part of God's plan. Jesus left the Jordan River where he was baptized. And now God had ordained that Jesus would face this figure who is the devil. Jesus was tempted by the devil himself. The Greek word for devil is this word that is called diabolos, diabolos. And this word was used to talk about a person who was engaged in slander. He, the, those who are called diabolos, were, were focused on and they still focus on destroying the character of people. 
and <clears throat> diabolos could be it, it, it could be used to describe any type of person uh, well any person who talks about slandering somebody it doesn't necessarily have to be an angelic being but in this case it appears to be referring to a specific being who can ask questions who knows the word of god and comes to take hearts so that people may be, may be destroyed the spirit had empowered jesus to face the devil this was part of god's plan that jesus would go to the wilderness and face the devil and here we see a big battle taking place for 40 days jesus was tempted by the devil how many times do we fall when we are tempted by the devil for just one minute or for an hour or a couple of days jesus was tempted for 40 days and during this time he was fasting he wasn't eating any food according to luke fasting is an interesting practice within the scriptures and church history church history and modern day practice of fasting has really changed the ways we perceive fasting i am of course not talking about physical health type of fasting that we may partake if we want to lose weight or for health reasons but i am talking about the fasting the spiritual emphasis type of fasting that we see within the scriptures and also within modern day church practice we typically think of fasting as an instrument a tool that we can use if we fast we can gain something that would benefit us the benefits can be spiritual growth suppression of sins improved health and maybe we hope that through our fasting somehow we would inspire or cause god to answer our prayers a lot of christians believe that they haven't achieved higher levels of spirituality because they do not fast this view of seeing the the seeing fasting as an instrument really came after the bible was written people like calvin advocated for the instrumental approach for fasting he said this fasting pleases him up to a point as long as it is directed to an end beyond itself namely to prompt us to abstinence to subject the lasciviousness of the flesh to incense us to desire for prayer to testify to our repentance whenever we are moved by the judgment of god well god may respect an instrumental approach to fasting it is impossible to find this idea within the pages 
of the Bible. It is rarely reflected in ancient Judaism or the rabbis. Instead of viewing fasting as an instrument, the Bible perceives and presents fasting as a whole body response of the human being to grievous and severe conditions. As Scott McKnight, a New Testament professor near the Chicago area, he, he said this, and I, I find this to be true and helpful. He said, fasting means a human being refrains from food or water or both for a limited period of time in response to some sacred, grievous moment. A grievous moment might include a death of a loved one, the threat of war, sin, or our neediness, or our fear of God's judgment. We may fast for all of these reasons because we lost a loved one and that's how we may deal with pain or because of war and we just want to feel the sorrowness. This is how it occurred as, as a response to these grievous realities during Bible times, people fasted. That's, how, that's why Daniel fasted. He would fast because his people were away from their homeland and he was sad about that. Therefore, he responded through fasting, not necessarily that he was using his fasting practice to be an instrument to cause, to cause God to change, but rather it was a whole body response to something that was extremely sad. I love how Scott McKnight, he phrased it. He put it like this. The focus of the Bible on fasting is not on what we get from fasting or on motivating people to fast in order to acquire something, but instead lands squarely on responding to sacred moments in life. Fasting makes us feel pain. It's not supposed to be enjoyable. But it's supposed to help us feel the effects of death, sin, war, violence, and injustice. Jesus was fasting during this time. He wasn't trying to obtain something, but instead, in response to all of the evils of the world, he felt the pains of the world through fasting. And while Jesus fasted, the devil came to challenge him. The devil did what the serpent did. The enemy comes to challenge the identity of humans. In both cases, the enemy challenged the identity of humans. In Genesis 3, we read a story of a serpent and humans. The serpent challenged the identity of humans, and he continues to challenge their identity till this day. He said to the first humans, Oh, you yourself will become gods. But according to God himself, humans were already his partner. 
The devil wants to distort what God has called humans to be, what God has called you to be. And in the passage we read today, he challenged what God had called Jesus to be, who God had anointed and prepared Jesus to be. Jesus was supposed to be the Son of God who would, who would represent God, who would bring peace and justice. Remember, God had said to Jesus, You are my Son. But the devil came and questioned the claim. And he asked, or said rather, If you are the Son of God, let's assume Jesus, that you are the Son of God. Since you are the Son of God, make the stone into bread. The devil made this appealing temptation. And this would be an appealing temptation to make the stone into bread since Jesus had been fasting. The issue here is not eating, but listening to the devil and breaking a practice that you had committed to God. The, the tension is this. Will Jesus follow the leading of the Spirit and manifest unwavering trust in God to supply his needs? Or will he relieve his hunger by exercising his power apart from God. The devil challenged Jesus to make the stone into bread, to exploit his status as the Son of God. The devil wanted the identity, the, the title, Son of God, to mean the opposite of faithful obedience and agency on God's behalf. There's also a sense here that the tempter is telling Jesus, if you want people to follow you, to see you as the Son of God, use your wonderful powers to give them material things. Use your power to, to make stones into bread. The devil wanted Jesus' ministry to be one of material prosperity, one of making stones into bread. But Jesus knew his Bible. Therefore, he could fight back against the devil. Jesus answered, it is written, man should not live on bread alone. Jesus knew that in Deuteronomy 8, 3, God had said that humans were not supposed to live from bread alone. Bread is important. But it's not the sole substance of humans. Every word of God is essential to human living. In other words, no one will ever find life in material things. That is why I encourage you that if you haven't joined a Bible reading plan, join one. Or do one on your own. Just make sure you're reading the Bible every day. And hopefully it's a growth from last year. The devil fights. And we need to respond with the word 
of God. His words are a feast to our souls and they are tools to fight the enemy. Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, used the words of God to fight off the devil. Yet, we see later on that the devil attacked him again. This time, the devil led him up to a high place. <clears throat> it says within the scriptures that in an instant, the devil showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. Earlier in Luke, the kingdoms appear to be under the Roman emperor, but now they appear to be ruled by the devil. A lot of the activity from human and systemic agents oppose God's plan and God's people, and therefore, because they oppose God's plan and God's people, these systems of oppression, because of this, they are manifestations, manifestations of dia diabolical rule. And yes, Caesar's in control, but at the same time, because Caesar opposes God's plan, the devil is in control. And the devil said that if Jesus would worship him, the devil would give him all these kingdoms, all these governments, just as the devil had received them. This is a pretty crazy offer. He was basically saying, just worship me and I'll give you all these kingdoms. I wonder, would you accept this claim? Would you follow it? I know so many people who are power hungry, who are greedy. Especially, I think if we look at the news, we see politicians who are power hungry. But here we have Jesus, who is the Son of God, who has the kingdom of God, who will one day have all the nations bow down to him. And that will all occur because he did not choose to bow down to the devil. And what the devil offered Jesus was actually a shabby substitute for the divine sonship that Jesus had by birth. In response to the devil's offer, Jesus, guess what he did? He quoted scripture. He quoted from Deuteronomy 6.13. He quoted it to state, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What's amazing is that when the tensions were high, Jesus didn't just quote the scriptures, but he put what he quoted into practice. Jesus could have bowed down, but no. He knew what the Bible said, and he practiced it. He knew that we are only to worship God. There are so many opportunities for us, for us to worship other things to gain apparent power. Worship greed and cheat people off to gain wealth. 
worship self, to get temporary euphoria, happiness. But Jesus and us as his followers know that we worship only God. Even if the devil is offering everything the world has to offer, we worship God alone. Many of us have witnessed in the last couple of days what has what happens. Um, we witness in the last couple of days what happens when people worship someone who is not God. They put all of their hopes on that person. They kind of deify the person. And if things don't go as planned, if a certain person doesn't end up in office, then they go chaotic because they put their hope in a person. We would do well if we followed the model of Jesus by not putting our hopes on a person or an idea. This even occurs within churches when people put their hopes on a pastor. We would do well to follow Jesus' example. We shall only worship God. Back, back to the story. The devil responded to Jesus, Okay, if you won't worship me because you will only worship your God, let's see how great your God really is. Let's assume that you are the Son of God, Jesus. And supposedly, according to the words of God, if you throw yourself, he will protect you. The devil did something that Jesus had been doing. The devil quoted the Bible. He quoted from Psalm 91, 11 through 12, which says, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So, the devil quoted this verse to tell Jesus to check this out, to see if it's true, test God. Let's see if he will really send his angels to protect you, if he will really save you. But here is something I found pretty interesting in a book that I've been reading recently. The author is uh, Dan Kimball. And it's called How Not to Read the Bible. And within this book, the author, who's from the Bay Area, he said this. And I, I find this to be so, so true. And it's going to sound kind of weird at first. It says this. Never read a Bible verse. Never read a Bible verse. This sounds pretty contradictory to what I've been saying to read the Bible. I've told you to read the Bible. And, and I still tell, I'm still going to tell you to read the Bible. But when you want to understand the Bible, you don't want to just read one Bible verse. Another author, Greg Kalkel, uh, he says this, he said, 
Never read a Bible verse. That's right. Never read a Bible verse. Instead, always read a paragraph at least. The point is that we should never read a Bible verse in isolation from the context. Otherwise, we might fall for the devil's ploys. The devil knows the Word of God. And he also knows how to distort it in such a way that what he says makes sense. If we just looked at the Bible verse that the devil quoted, we could say, okay, that makes sense. God's going to protect me if I jump off. So if I do it, if I listen to the devil, I'll be okay. But never read a Bible verse in isolation. The verse the devil quoted is connected to the Bible that we all have. And it's connected to other verses. Another verse, as Jesus shows us, is Deuteronomy 6.16. It says that we shouldn't test God. Jesus didn't deny the validity of what the devil quoted. God will protect you. But Jesus did reject how the devil used the scripture outside of its context. And therefore, Jesus didn't jump off to test God. It's interesting how the devil only tempts you. He doesn't force you to perform the wrong act. Only you can do the wrong act yourself. Jesus was led by the Spirit of God to face the devil. And he was able to face him. According to similar scenes in Jewish texts, when the devil leaves, it was a sign that the devil had conceded. Jesus had defeated the devil. He was the first human who held to the words of God instead of falling under the craftiness of the devil. Humans were supposed to do this since the beginning, but they all failed. They didn't hold what God had said as true in their lives. They let what the devil had said to dictate their lives. But Jesus, he demonstrated that what God had declared at his baptism was true. Jesus is truly the Son of God. As we start this new year, I want to remind you that you will be tested. Maybe you were already tested. You had the choice and you will have the choice to do right or to do wrong. You have the choice to eat from the tree of life or from the tree that leads to destruction. As a royal king, God has given you a test to see if you can do what he has entrusted you to do. And he has entrusted you to do something big. Every day you are tested. Jesus, for example, he was regularly tested and for 40 days he was 
rigorously tested. And he demonstrated that he was worthy of being called the Son of God. But we, on the other hand, we fail regularly. We show that we cannot do what God has called us to do, to bring peace to this world by partnering with Him. The, the rebel, the enemy, he regularly traps us. However, God continues to give us tests. God continues to give us opportunities to show our faithfulness to Him. And we can't do it by ourselves because we have these sinful tendencies. But we can do it. We can pass the test, show God that He has done well by choosing us to partner with them. We can do it. We can succeed if we rely on the Son of God. If we rely on the one who passed the test, the one who shows us how it looks like to, looks like to fully, wholeheartedly rely on God. He passed the test. And I would even add that he passed the test for us. He is our representative. When you put your faith in Jesus, when he passes the test right there in front of all of us was the story that we read. When you put your faith in Jesus, when the devil defeated, when, when the devil was defeated by the power of God, when Jesus destroyed him by using the word of God, we also destroyed the devil. Not because there's anything within us, but no, because of our faith in Jesus and what that does with our union with him. He passed the test for us. He is our representative. And now throughout this week, know that God is with you. And while you have failed so many times, you have been victorious if you have put your faith in Jesus. God sees you. And I want to let you know that as a body, even though we're in strange times, as a church body, we are here for you. Send me an email. Send a message to the church Facebook page. Send anybody from the church a text. And we're here to talk through things with you. We're here to help you partner with Jesus. We're here to help you see Jesus as the one who has defeated the devil. I pray that you would embrace Jesus as your master and as your helper and face every day with the power that comes with Jesus. Start today by declaring that Jesus is the Son of God who has defeated the devil. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here together, even if it is virtually. I am excited for what you are doing in our midst, doing here in Lodi in this new year in 2021. And I pray that we may start off, it feels like a lot of time has already passed, but I pray that we may start off this year in victory. Not so much because we have succeeded, but more so because Jesus has succeeded. Jesus has defeated the devil. 
And I pray that we may follow Jesus' example. May we use the word to fight off what the devil tries to challenge us with. He mainly tries to challenge our identity, but I pray that we may know the word and say, no, because of what Jesus has done, I am a son of God or a daughter of God. I pray that we may be changed and that this week we look different. We have opportunities to show, to demonstrate our character to you, Father. And I pray that we will show that we have been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that instead of always going with what the devil says, we may say, no, we're not going to do that today. I know what the word says. I will only worship God. I will only serve him. I pray that this may be the case. Be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. May all of you guys go in peace. Thank you for joining us through the webs and hopefully next time I'll be at the church and we'll record it all in one live stream. Um, may you guys be blessed. Go in peace. See you guys next time.